0: We didn't need to be vocally communicating. We were communicating through the energy shift in the room. Everyone was just, like, part of it.
1: You're listening to Out of the Woods, a podcast that showcases stories from people who once strongly believed in something. Maybe it was a religion, an ideology, even a community. And ultimately they decided to leave because it was kind of... Welcome to episode 10 of Out of the Woods. So, in this episode, I talked to Aliza. Aliza's story takes place at um, her massage school teacher's house. Um, where she went to these routine um, she describes heart-centered spiritual gatherings that her teacher hosted so the sessions themselves um, Aliza shares are pretty captivating but things got really weird when her teacher's guru got involved so that's what I'll say I'll leave it here Um, but I hope that you enjoy hearing Aliza's story as much as I did So where does your story with this, like, spiritual cultish thing begin? Like, what circumstances led up to it?
0: That's a good question. Um, that's actually a, a little, like, kind of a hard question, I guess. Like, where did that begin? I feel like it began, like, when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but let's be a little, let's narrow it down a little. Uh, I had... The year before I inadvertently backed myself into joining this cult, I had, I had been through like one of the most tumultuous years of my life, maybe the most tumultuous year of my life. I had both my grandmothers had died within a couple of months. My husband and I broke up within, like in between those deaths, I moved to LA, I fell in love, I started a new relationship we drove across the country i got pregnant on my 40th birthday i had a miscarriage i started massage school i had bed bugs so i had to drop out of massage school i I moved apartments twice and then i started massage school again at this tiny little very hippy dippy, um sort of mountain town uh, massage school Mm -hmm. and my teacher at this school was this very charismatic, beautiful, highly intelligent, um, energy worker who happened to be our massage, our lead massage teacher. Mm -hmm. She was from, I think she's from Austria, Germany or Austria. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, she was the person who like brought me into this I would call it a cult. Um and she was I would call her the leader of this faction of this cult. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Can you describe her a little bit more? You I know you said she's charismatic, but like what is what was she like?
0: She I don't know how old she is. It's sort of mysterious to me. Like I feel like she could be anywhere from my age, which is 44 to like mid 50s. Um mm-hmm. Very uh, striking, you know, like blonde, very, very blue eyes, very, very intense gaze, but mm. but like inviting as well, really charming, um, nice voice, you know, uh, very ingratiating, you know, like mm. she was very, um, she had a very direct way of speaking to us. There were only six people in my class she had a really direct way of speaking to us. Um, But it it felt like, you know, when you meet those friends when you're like a teenager and they're like the kid who's like sitting in the park across from school smoking and they start telling you about all these things you've never heard of before. And you're like, how did this person like get into this stuff? Like, how do they know about this? They seem Mm -hmm. so like, you know, confident in their understanding of all these things. And they, it just sort of like flows through them and everyone's wrapped and everyone's sort of sitting in a circle around them. And you don't really notice at first, but there's a sort of like golden penumbra around them and you're, you're part of it. Like all of you are part of it.
1: Yeah. That's like how it
0: felt. Yeah. She was just really utterly charming and Uh, and she made us feel like we were entering into something that was really important and beautiful and connected to something higher, which for me is really like that gets me.
1: She was your, um, one of your teachers at the massage school. Mm -hmm. That's like how you, um, so how did things break off such that, you know, you got sort of indoctrinated, I guess, into her yeah. cult. How did that happen?
0: Well, it had to do with the fact that I had had this bed bug issue that I I had just recently moved. All of my stuff that I had kept, which wasn't very much, was in storage. And um, so I started school right after I'd moved into a new place, like a week after I'd moved into this new place. All my things were in storage. And then I got some sort of like uh, phone call from the storage place. Everything had to be moved. There was, I can't even remember. It's my dog. I can't remember the circumstances exactly, but I needed to have a family member. One second. Come here. Mm-hmm. I needed to have a family member um, come down to LA and help me. And we needed to do this like right away, move my things. Oh. And so I had to miss several days of school. And at this particular school, you had to pay for the time that you missed um, with tutoring, but you had to to pay for each individual tutoring session. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a lot of money. And she said, you know, I hold this meeting every week at my house on, I guess, like Monday nights. And it costs this much money. But if you want to come, I'll let you only pay, you know, some very small amount of money a week and you can use it to make up your hours because it was also pretty time consuming. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I was interested, you know, when she described to me what the meeting was, it was like a, just this little social circle at her own house where she described it as that, you know, people come over and I, I like, um, I talk, like I give a talk and then, and we all like hang out and have snacks afterward. So I went over with only pretty much that knowledge about mm-hmm. it. I went over and what it turned out to be was she, at first of all, she had this very beautiful house and she made her own essential oils. And so the place like was like really warm and inviting and beautiful and everything crystals everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> and um plants outside that she used to make her oils and I smoked at the time and she was a smoker and like half of the people there were smokers and she used to like put essential oils on her cigarettes so I you know like she put essential oils on my cigarette and we were like all sitting outside on the porch and it was beautiful and smoking and talking and then we go inside and sit around a sort of circle in her living room and she sits like at the hearth Mm -hmm. and then she just starts talking. Like it just was like a channel opened and she just started pouring out beautiful words. And they were all about being connected to your heart. And it sounds cheesy maybe or like e- simple simple but it was really compelling mm-hmm. really compelling and everyone in the room was right there with her mm-hmm. and it lasted like an hour hour and a half i mean no one else spoke you know she wow. just talked at us and with us and you could feel the energy in the room like totally changed like it was so soft it felt like being in a bath. She was very, she's very gifted. She's a gifted speaker, gifted energy worker. And we were all like really wrapped. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow.
0: So the first time I went, I was really into it and I was, I was sort of like hooked and I thought like, Oh great. I'll go. I would go back anyway, but I'm making up these hours. Yeah. So that hooked me in.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Wow. That sounds like the, the the way you described it as like being in a bath that's mm-hmm. that's potent and so when she was i have written down actually from when we talked last time you said um maybe you also just said this actually but she would like go into a trance and just channel and so yeah what what sort of things did she channel i know you sort of did just share the kind of underlying message but um yeah do you have any
0: Yeah. I mean, I can sort of remember, you know, it's like the language is very flowery and it's, um, you know, I wrote a lot of it down during certain sessions. Um, But when I look back over the language, it is, some of it is very beautiful, but it's very simple. It's more like the way she said it, gave it, it amplified it, you know, like she did, her presence really amplified it and made it very clear. Um, But it was all language about trusting the heart, slowing down, being in the body, you know, like, um, recognizing the difference between the messages of the mind and the heart, recognizing that the heart is the true voice of knowledge, and that the mind gets confused by the messages of the heart and tries to deliver it to you in a, in a way that can get you off of track. So, Her message was always like, be mindful in everything that you do. If you're opening a door, like feel your hand on the doorknob opening the door. You know, if you're sitting outside, you know, breathing and watching a bee, like be in your breath and be with your, you know, vision of this bee. It's just very simple, you know, messages about being in the body, you know, very kind of like Zen-like. But also just this real sweetness about Mm heart-centeredness. And we would, you know, like maybe open an essential oil and she would tell us about her interpretation of what that particular essential oil does energetically for people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it was just very connective.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have one question that comes to mind, which is, did she sell the essential oils? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) so you say that it's connective um and so i'm curious because it's connective yet um she's the only one talking right how does that work in terms of did you just feel connected to her or like connected to everybody through her yes it
0: it felt like everyone was in on something together Mm. and we didn't need to be we didn't need to be you know, vocally communicating. We were communicating through the energy shift in the room. Everyone was just like part of it. So yeah. there was that, it was like a heart communication, you know, like she was saying, it felt very right. heart centered, heart connected. And, you know, afterward we would talk okay. after she was done,
1: Yeah, we
0: would talk, people would ask questions, we'd go out on her porch again and just hang out, you know, mm-hmm. mm.
1: What were the other people like who were involved in this?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm I include myself in this category, so I'm not trying to put anyone down. But, you know, I mean, but I I do feel like this was a cult and I do cults draw a certain type of person or a person going through a certain type of experience, I would say mm. is more mm-hmm. fair. Um I just to remember feeling like, wow, this is a real room of outcasts. And like I said, I feel I would definitely fit that also, that mm-hmm. category. But I found out like the first night that I went there, to my surprise, that a lot of them had been coming to this for years. They did not seem like very happy people on the whole. Mm-hmm. On the whole, it didn't feel like a room full of people who were getting it right in their lives. It felt like, um, it it was a room of people struggling pretty hard. And it did also feel like there were at least a couple of people in that room, including me at the time who just their self-esteem, our self-esteem was incredibly low. Like, I mean, you know, like beyond the bottom low. Mm-hmm. Um, but sweet and, you know, people were very, uh, you know, they were really open to her and so open to everyone else and the experience. Mm-hmm.
1: What sort of things would you talk about together on the balcony? You know, like what were topics? of oh, conversation? Wow.
0: Okay. Well, here's a couple I can remember right off the bat. Uh-huh. Uh, one was, this one was a really, this was like a sticking point for me that I really... I struggled with internally. I didn't like ever mention to her or anyone else. I just sort of listened and took in, but she would talk a lot about how we shouldn't watch the news. <laughs> okay. Uh, which was, there was one person in the group who I, I felt a great affinity with in this way who would always sort of, she, she was very, she was struggling really hard with that one. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Cause I think her job you know, in some way, was like uh, she was some, you know, a helper in some way in the world. I can't remember if she was like in journalism or if she was, uh, you know, a social worker or something. But th- it was a hard one to swallow because she would tell us not to pay any attention to the news, which, which, uh, on one level of like us, uh, like this sort of like bypassing spiritual level, you know. Makes sense, but not really in a grounded into a, a real world level. It, it didn't, it didn't feel right. It, like it just yeah. it rubbed me the wrong way every time she would talk about this. So we would talk about that sometimes. She would like encourage us to not really pay much attention to what else was going on, except what was going on in this small circle of people, and talk a lot about how one small group of people can affect the entire world. You know, she would say that a lot, like how this group of people of like 12 people could have this amazing impact on the energetic temperature of the whole world. Wow. So that was one thing I remember us talking about. I really like viscerally remember one evening on her porch, I was sitting on um, this like bench bench, pretty close to her and everyone was sort of like gathered in this little area and there were she had a really nice porch and there were these big trees um sort of like overhanging the porch and she started talking about how she could move the wind so she started doing that (laughs) she started um saying I can move the wind and then she would like move her hand and suddenly the wind would like start to move in the direction of her hand and then she'd move it in another direction. and The wind would move in that direction. You know, we were highly sensitized to everything she was doing and sort of under a spell with her. Yeah. And it's not that hard to be moving in the direction of the wind, I suppose, <laughs> but it really felt... Like, she was directing the path of the wind. I mean, how yeah. how like incredibly powerful would that be if someone were capable of doing that? I mean, we were yeah. completely in awe of her. Right. And I do remember another conversation that this was actually the very first real inkling I had that, like, oof, something's off here. Huh.
1: Uh-huh
0: she started telling us the story of like how she had come to this place in her life in this position where she was guiding other people. Mm. And it was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, like literally unbelievable.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, It was like a, it was like a fairy tale story. It just didn't, it, it didn't add up at all. And it had like all of these elements of her like being chosen and then sent to, I can't even remember, somewhere in South America or something where she was like the center of this whole training someone else had picked her for where she sat like in the middle of a circle in the forest and all these crazy things happened. And I'm not a person who doesn't believe in crazy things happening. Yeah. Um, But it was like, there were so many parts of this story that like, that made her out to be so special that it just felt it was too much. It was a little unwieldy. Um, And there was like a whole part about how she had called a, a library in some other country about this particular essential oil that she'd found out about and was researching. And they said, we're these nuns and we work at this like library and we've been waiting for you to call and, you know, like this story of like, yeah, it was, it was, it was really wild. And it, the more she told this story, the more I was like, please stop talking. Cause I just want to keep believing in you, but this is so weird. Yeah. I just don't, I don't believe this happened. So I remember that one.
1: Yeah. How did other people like react to that? Oh, they were just enthralled. Wow.
0: <laughs> just enthralled, completely And here's the thing, I think I was acting really enthralled by it too. So I can't say for sure, maybe these people were a little quicker on the uptake than I give them credit for. Maybe they were also just behaving the same way I was, which was you don't question the person who you are hoping is going to like really change your life entirely and who is giving you these beautiful messages. Um, so maybe they were all skeptical as well, or maybe one of, or two of them, but they didn't seem that way. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely didn't
1: seem that way. Wow. What was your relationship like with the other people? I mean, I know that you said there was that heart connectedness, you know, um, but when you're hanging out on the, what is it? A balcony, a porch, a deck, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, how, how are you how are you all communicating with each other did you become friends with anybody uh,
0: that the thing that's so interesting about that is like when she would be talking it would feel like we were all connected but it felt competitive out mm. outside of that moment that like ongoing moment inside and so it was weird I didn't feel I didn't feel close to most of them in fact I felt agitated by most of them. Um, I made friends with one other woman uh, who had also, I'm from the Bay Area and she had lived in San Francisco for many years. She was from Japan and, or is from Japan and we are still friends. Um, She and I had like a real heart connection. I did not feel that with anyone else in the group. I felt in fact, probably less of a hard connection with all of those people than I did with anyone else in my life. But it was an experience we shared that was really opening. Yeah. In those moments, we were in her living room.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, but I do—I distinctly remember a feeling of competition to be sort of her favorite, and she definitely—it def- definitely felt like she had favorites and that the favorites would switch around. Though I always felt like one of her favorites and maybe everyone felt that way. Probably everyone felt that way.
1: Mm. What would she do to make, to signal who was her favorite?
0: I mean, she, she used to give me rides home from school because we lived really close by and our school was far away. And during those rides, she was very Um, complimentary of me and she would tell me about how my energy was really amazing and she could tell the first day. And she started mentioning her guru (laughs) very early. I think even the first day that she drove me home, she was listening to a talk that he had given in the car.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So he came up a lot, Uh, but also she would make promises that then would sort of dematerialize Mm. she'd sort of like offer things that would make you feel very special so I remember she would say eventually I would really like for she worked out of her house she had rooms in her house to give sessions to folks and she our our like second teacher was her best friend And she worked there too. She was more like her servant, (laughs) but they were best friends. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and this woman like worshiped her. Uh, so she worked for her, but she would say to me, eventually I want it to be the four of us, meaning her, her best friend, me and this friend of mine from Japan, Mm-hmm. um who lived behind her house in their back house in her and her boyfriend's back house and so she would say like when you're graduated i want you to come and work for me just the four of us which felt like a huge special you know gift um and totally. compliment mm-hmm. but then she would like forget she'd said it <laughs> like you know take it away and give it back and things yeah. like that that sounds dizzying dizzying as a good word for it yeah like uh my footing would never felt entirely steady Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. did it ever did you ever feel concerned because I know that this is all wrapped up with you getting like your massage therapist licensure right Mm -hmm. So so did that ever did it ever feel like that was a threat um, you were at threat of not completing that because of your involvement with this. And
0: no, only after everything went down did it feel like a threat to me. In the moment, it didn't feel at all like a threat. It felt like she was doing me a huge favor. Mm-hmm. Although, at, looking back, she had no authority to let me make up my classes that way. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there was it, none of it actually made any sense. It wasn't connected to the school in any way. Right. Right. And yet she had offered this, you know, so later when everything went down, then I got very concerned because mm-hmm. there was nothing that said she could have just not given me any of those hours, which she did to her credit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, the school would have had no say, you know, in any of that. It was completely disconnected from the school.
1: So you mentioned her guru. Was this whole thing that she was doing part of a larger like organization or
0: That's the thing. I I don't that was never specifically said. I I knew from the day that I met her, which was our first day of class, the first day she gave me a ride home, mm-hmm. that she had this I don't know if she referred to him as her guru. I I believe she did refer to him as her guru um, who lived in Las Vegas. And she'd been, she'd been like working with him for a long time. And she wasn't a follower. She like worked with him and she made that Mm -hmm. clear. They were friends. She was not a follower. She was somehow working with him. So that was clear but she she never explicitly said anything about this little group of people being connected to whatever her guru was doing, right, though I was invited to meet her guru, and so was my friend uh, and one other girl. But mm-hmm. but yeah, she never she never explicitly said this is part of this larger thing, though it felt very much as though at at some point later in the story, it felt very much as though, Oh, I see. Like we are being groomed eventually to enter into this larger thing, Right. which my guess was she was compensated for in some way, but I'm not, right. I can't be sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear more about that. But before, before I ask you to expand more, um, I am curious, did this experience at the time shift your worldview in any way? Like were the, were the things that, yeah. So what was that like?
0: It was a really beautiful experience. I was very, very moved by this woman and by the experience. I was, as I said, I was going through a really rough period. Um, I, my self-esteem has never in my life been so low. I, I was in a highlighted liminal space in my life. I mean, it was truly the most transitional year of my entire life I had just turned 40 um so this all happened between 40 and 41 and I like as I mentioned earlier everything in my life changed the previous year um so I I had been on track to like go to grad school and get a master's in creative writing something Mm -hmm. like that I'd always been sort of like godless you know like i I was always either atheistic or agnostic um i never felt very drawn to the things that are now like cornerstones of my life like astrology i had i was interested in energy work because i'd had experiences with that that were quite profound um though i didn't understand but my my life was much more intellectual than it was emotional. And my partner at the time was a grad student, very intellectual. um, And I just, I wasn't on track to be doing the kinds of things that I was in the middle of beginning. Like going to massage school was not a thing I thought I would be doing. That all came about through a series of synchronicities that just sort of pushed me into that direction. And I was losing my sense of my identity in a lot of ways as I was reforming it, you know, onto this new sort of path I was taking. So, though that was really exciting, it was scary. And I felt um, all the boundaries around my persona were really nebulous and disappearing. And that was just, it was very, I, I didn't feel steady. So, having something to anchor me like this woman and this idea about, you know, like connecting to the heart and living more in faith about the messages you receive emotionally was very beautiful. And not just, not just something I could like believe in intellectually, but I had experiences during this time that were really incredible and, and very spiritual, um, and certainly profoundly impacted and maybe even like instigated by her. So, I mean, I'm great. I'm grateful for the experience of meeting her, um, even though it was so weird. And, um, also I think damaging in a lot of ways, but I did have a huge shift in my thinking and my, um, and my feelings spiritually, yeah, they yeah. they magnified, you know, the amplitude was just like tremendous. And I had moments happen, like a couple moments that I can remember really distinctly during those months that were a couple of the most beautiful moments of my life
1: mm-hmm.
0: with myself, just walking, just feeling so in the moment, like I never had experienced before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to share anything more about those experiences or, or you'd rather not?
0: No, sure. I Well, I, I started doing this daily practice that she sort of encouraged us to do. Um, I was taking classes on her essential oils at school and I had many of them and they were lovely. Um, and she she did a particular kind of energy work that had to do with her oils. So she, um, I'd bought many of them from her and in the morning I would do this particular energetic practice with the oils. And I got very into the moment through that experience. So I was more present in my body than I had been previously. And I remember just this one afternoon when I was sitting with my boyfriend at the time and my dog, um, where I lived uh, in the city. I lived at the time and we were having coffee and I looked across the street and suddenly I, for the first time, and this has only happened to me a few times, I, every person I looked at, I like downloaded their whole history. Like I would look at somebody and I would just I would get like this read off of them, like you've been playing soccer since you were six and you. this woman was walking and I, and I knew suddenly like she just bought a cake for a person at her work whose birthday it was and no one had thanked her and like this whole, and, and you know, who knows whether that was the real story with any of them, but it felt like every person I looked at, I got this huge download about who they were and where they were in that moment And then we stood up to walk back to the car. And as we were walking, I was watching my dog walking. And I was like suddenly, like, so entranced in the moment. My body was so right there. It felt like time had ceased to exist. Like, all I could see was my dog's legs moving. And I felt so, I felt this peace that I'd never felt in my life. And it at the same time, this excitement in my body that I'd never experienced, it Mm. was really beautiful and lasted maybe 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. But it, it really felt like, yeah, like timeless, like just really timeless. And I remember saying something about it to my boyfriend after it happened. Like I've never experienced that before. It was like the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. That has happened a lot since, but that was like that was the first time I really remember that feeling of total presence. And it happened during this period that I was working with her.
1: Yeah. Wow. That sounds so powerful to have that experience. so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And then to have it be, you know, attached to your time with this person, um, like in the moment, I'm sure, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that that would just kind of um, anchor you even more deeply into into believing this woman and everything that she said.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was, yeah, like I said, I was completely entranced with her.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She sounds super mesmerizing. She was mesmerizing. Yeah. And I, like I said too, I'm great. I am grateful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really do feel it was a fraught experience overall. And I don't necessarily, uh, think that she's a very safe person overall. However, the experience of being in this group of people was also really powerful for me and life changing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, did that kind of mark the point? Um, like, I guess maybe like a sort of turning point for you where you started to explore spiritual things like astrology more
0: yeah it you know, astrology had entered my life for the first real time on the eve of my fortieth birthday in New uh-huh. York on this road trip that my partner and I had taken with a an astrologer who happens to also be a famous poet who I was having dinner with the night before my birthday. I didn't realize that she was also an astrologer and she talked to me about astrology for many hours and then we had this very, unusual experience at midnight on my 40th birthday where she made a prediction that I was pregnant and she happened to be right. And it was just that, that I think was what got me interested in astrology, but I hadn't pursued it. She definitely helped open that door further into all things more esoteric and spiritual for me. Um, my, like, uh, I, I, am an astrologer. I, and I, you know, have been studying astrology now for years, but that year was when it began, but a little bit afterward, it was more like um, after this all ended with her, I needed other things to latch onto that, you know, had that would give me the feeling that I had with her. And yet the pursuit of them was more individual, more like um, at my own pace and under my own discretion.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, I guess I'll go back to um to the question of the sort of turning point and you mentioned being invited to meet this woman's guru mm-hmm. so uh oh, yes, <laughs> can you tell me more about that and i'm I guess I'm conflating these two because I know that when we spoke last, you sort of shared that that became the turning point, I think when mm-hmm. you met this person and and talked to. Is that true?
0: Yes, I didn't meet him in person, right? But I did meet him over the phone, like Facetime.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the this was the like event that um, ended my like tutelage mm-hmm. <laughs> with her informal tutelage. Um, yeah. So okay, so you know, i I'd, I'd gone to this circle like at her. I thought it was called a circle, not like a meeting or a talk. It was some sort of circle. Mm -hmm. And so I'd been going to this circle at her house for, I think at this point, several months, maybe like three months. And I knew about this person who was her guru. I'd known about him for a while. She'd mentioned him many times, but she'd never pushed anything about him on me. But suddenly one day when I was at school taking an elective course that my friend um, the one who had lived in San Francisco and also attended the circle, was also um, enrolled in. She had graduated my school the year before, but she was in this this uh, course. And on our lunch break, our teacher was talking about, with her best friend, our other teacher, was talking about how they were going to Vegas to some sort of you know event, like weekend event put on by the guru. And, you know, they were talking about it and it sounded exciting. So my friend and I were asking questions and then she said, you know, if you want to go, it usually costs like thousands of dollars. And she said, I could probably talk to him and I could probably get you to in for, you know, something like a couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. if you're interested. And of course we were like, yes, we're interested. Yes. We want to go so excited, you know, yeah. So she was like, "Okay, I'll talk to him. I'll let you know." You know, very very nonchalant. She was very nonchalant. She was a supremely oh, confident person. Yeah. Um and so we were like pins and needles, you know, about it. And then she she let us know later he had agreed and we were like over the moon about it. And I remember, you know, in this whole period I talked to a lot of people in my life about this. And they were encouraging and a little like every time I talked about it a little bit like you'd get that look like you were sort of like an animal in the zoo that had started talking and
1: the zoo people was like <laughs>
0: interest what is happening right now like just such a stupefied expression would come yeah. over the people in my life who I'd talk to about this um mm. but they were kind and encouraging too so I remember like telling my boyfriend about it and I, I think that he, I don't think he really had an issue with it. Um, but yeah, there was like a weird sort of like circumspect sort of nature. I think that he kind of started to have about it. And um, and my best friend too, who I had dragged along one night to one of these circles and enjoyed it, but also had a little bit more remove and a little more um, s- skepticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we were invited to go. And of course I was like, I'm just going, you know, like I'll pay. And, um, I had to like get somebody to watch my dog. My boyfriend was going to be out of town too. And I had work and I had to get my work covered and, you know, but I was like on it. Mm
1: -hmm. Like I'm
0: going, I'm definitely going. Yeah. And my friend was also going. And then one other girl had invited herself along. Hmm. Um, so the four of us Or and her and my teacher's friend. So the five of us were all going to go. So the next time we were at her circle at her house, before it began, everyone was already there. She beckoned my friend and I over um, and we went around the side of the house to the driveway and like sat on the curb of the driveway. And she said, okay, I'm going to call this man's name. I'm going to call him now. Um, so that he can meet both of you before you go. And so she sat between us and she took out her phone and she called him on FaceTime and she had the phone in front of her face and she's saying, you know, hello, this guy's name, which I won't mention. Um, uh, I want you to meet, you know, these two girls who are going to be coming with me. They're very excited to meet you. And he's like, oh, yes, yes. So she turns the phone to my friend and she says, this is my friend's name. And he says, oh, hello, you know, nice to meet you. So glad you're coming. And then she turns the phone to me and she says, and this is Aliza. And he just like stops and his eyes get big and he's like, Aliza. (laughs) (laughs) So nice to meet you. Um, And then he just sort of goes into this weird thing with me where he suddenly, I mean, he just... He clearly just was attracted to me. That was just obvious. He was just obviously attracted to me. Mm-hmm. And then it went into this space of like, um, you know, you're very special. This, you know, like there's something here. Let me try this thing on you. And and I had, I here's to back up just a little bit. hmm I'm a person who I think like um, appears extremely wide-eyed and naive. And I look that way. I look the part too. Um, I I look really young for my age. I have big eyes. I, I look really like impressionable. But the truth is I'm really skeptical. And so I, even as I like really, really loved this woman and was really under, you know, her thrall, I had looked this man up. And I found an article about him that was in like the Atlantic or Harper's. I mean, some big magazine talking about how he'd basically been like tarred and feathered and like kicked out of New York City (laughs) because he had basically started a cult there and was sleeping with all of his young female followers. And eventually, you know, this became news through the grapevine. And he had, he had sort of had to skulk away from New York City because too many people knew about it. So he'd ended up in Vegas, but there was this long story about it and I'd read it. So of course I was already feeling very skeptical of him, but they had also mentioned in this article, something about how he uses this blue light to, um, like, it's like a pen light, but, Uh but he pretends it's like coming out of his hand I believe they mentioned this in the article. It was okay. a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure yeah. they mentioned this. So that's what he did. He started. We're first of all, we're on a video. We're not. He's yeah. not even in front of me. So the fact that this man assumed I was going to actually buy this blue light coming out of his hand was completely beyond me. But he started <laughs> using this pen light on his hand and would say, "Like, can you see this light?" And I am very good at playing the role as I said so I was going Uh yeah I see the light and he was like oh you can see it like it was (laughs) like it was something that most people wouldn't be able to see this flashing obvious pen light in his hand what or behind his hand you know yeah yeah and so he was pretending as though I had some sort of special gift that I had seen this light and and then we ended the call and we went and had our circle then I think later that same night Maybe the next night I was at my house and she called me and she said, um, this man really wants to talk to you on the phone. Would it be okay with you if I like patched him in, you know, if we had a three-way call and I was really taken by surprise. I didn't want to do that, but also I didn't want to disappoint her. And so I said, yeah, sure. Like, let's talk to him. So then he got on the phone, and he started saying things to me. He was saying, "Elisa, when I met you on the phone, uh, I realized that we have known each other for many lifetimes, and I had a feeling in my thumb." <laughs> He's
1: talking about some
0: <laughs> feeling he'd had in his thumb that <laughs> let him know he and I had some connection over centuries. And then he said to my teacher. She is the one that we've been waiting for. Literally said that to my teacher, which I mean, my whole body was like, oh God, no, 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 this is not good. But I kept playing along through the rest of the phone call, you know, and he was saying to my teacher, I need for all of you to come out two days early because I need to, because he needed to meet me, right? And this is like a man who'd been sleeping with all of his young followers. So I was immediately like on notice, like, oh man, this, the whole thing had sounded really exciting to me going to Vegas to this event. But to be honest, at this point, I had had enough, uh, weird feelings that I, I sort of was more interested in going to it for the experience of it as a sort of journalistic sort of provocative you know, <laughs> yeah. experience. Like, wow, yeah. what kind of stories could I come away with? Yeah. So I had been wanting to sort of be an observer, you know, like be a fly on the wall. It was clear I was not going to be allowed to be a fly on the wall at this point yeah. that I was like, I was like the, the dessert for him. So it yeah. immediately, my feelings about the whole thing got much more complicated Uh and she could tell even though I was playing along. So we got off the phone and the next day everything got really weird from there. She knew she could tell something was wrong. And I realized later there had been a similar thing that had happened with my friend. Um, so there were things happening and I think she may I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she, she may not have really wanted her students to be seduced by this man.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um,
0: And, but also I know she could tell that I felt weird about it, even though my words were encouraging still about the whole trip. So the next day there was like this whole weird thing with phone calls and missed phone calls and text messages between all of the people going on this trip that eventually ended in her saying, "We're not going on the trip anymore," and the trip was canceled. She or she was still going, but nobody else was going with her. Mm. Um, which was scary. It was mm-hmm. scary for me because I I knew something was kind of done between us, and I I both wanted that to be the case because this had been this thing with the guru had been not cool with me. I felt offended uh, and not protected. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my feelings about her were wildly shifting, even as I was trying desperately to keep them in the same place about her. Right. But I could tell she had gone cold to me too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, That was the pivot. That was the turning point. Right. Yeah.
1: So then what came after that? When did you decide, oh, I'm out? Like, was it very soon after that or did you keep going because you needed the hours? How did that all work?
0: At that point, I'd made up my hours. I just was continuing to go because I loved her. I, like, loved her. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember that next week was the last week I went. I remember going to her house and I was crushed. Like I was really upset. Yeah. Though I was not trying, I was really trying not to let that on. I was really like faking it. Like everything's fine. But I remember going to her house and sitting on her steps with her before our circle smoking. And I remember saying to her, She was saying something to me about something she was feeling. And I said to her, I love you. (laughs) I was so like sad and desperate because I had worshiped her and I felt my, I felt my worship like dissipating and I, I was like desperate to hang on to it. And I said, I love you after she finished saying this thing. And she turned to me and her eyes like got kind of wet And she was looking at me and I thought that she was going to say like, I love you too. But she was like, Oh, thank you so much. It's so hard to be me sometimes. (laughs) What? Wow. And that was like, I just, I was like, this person does not care about me at all. Like this person is maybe a, narcissist. And that was kind of it for me. And, and I just backed myself out of it without us ever really discussing it. It was kind of clear to both of us that I just wasn't really going to be a part of that anymore. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize, but my friend who I hadn't been speaking with, um, since that whole thing went down, cause she had been planning to drive me out there. And she had suddenly called me and said something to the effect of like, I don't think that we should drive together. And it was very abrupt. And I, I assumed that she had had a conversation with my teacher in which my teacher had relayed to her that like something with me was really off and that she Mm -hmm. was very devoted to my teacher. And this was the reason she'd canceled our car trip. But actually it was because she'd also been spooked by this experience And she was also trying to back herself away. Mm -hmm. But because I had backed myself off already, I didn't realize that. Um, And we didn't talk for months. And I thought our friendship was just over because I I believed that she was still connected with this woman and that I was disconnected and everyone in that group was probably turned against me, which is also probably not true. I don't think she even had the time or the energy to care that much to be honest
1: yeah yeah and so um so then you two because I know you said earlier that you two are actually still friends we're still friends you and that person so how did the reconnection happen with that so she
0: and I didn't talk for months and I I was really sad because we I had felt like we were really similar I really liked her. She was such a sweet, she is such a sweet, sweet human being Mm -hmm. also gifted with energy work. You know, that's what I do now. And, um, Mm -hmm. and we'd sort of been like the little favorites and, and we bonded over that position, but also we bonded over many similar, you know, shared experiences, um, uh, you know, earlier in our lives and in San Francisco and, um, and she, she was just honestly like an incredibly open-hearted, sweet human being. So I was really sad that we weren't friends anymore, but I wasn't going to reach out to her because I was really afraid of being more rejected and maybe even like told something about myself, which at that point I couldn't have handled. Yeah. But then we happened to both enroll in a class at our school after we were both graduated from this school and saw each other on this first day of class and immediately just sort of like ran to each other. And then it was clear like, oh, there's not an issue between us. And when the class was over, she drove me home. At the time, I didn't have a car this whole time. She drove me home and we, we very um, carefully broached the subject and then it was it was clear we had both had the same experience. So then we spent maybe two hours sitting in her car outside of my house, talking about what had gone down for both of us. And it wow. was pretty similar, yeah, although her experience was much worse <laughs> oh, because she had yeah. lived there. She had lived at the house, so she had had some real confrontations, I think, with this woman's boyfriend. um he had you know, like basically just like accused her of you know, doing something harmful to his girlfriend, our teacher, by, Mm. you know, her attitude shifting and yelled at her, I think. Wow. Um, But we really like, we just felt this like enormous relief. Like, Oh my God, I'm not crazy. You also have the same experience. And then we were like, just corroborating details. Like, did you feel like you were being manipulated? Did you, did you see that she promised this thing to this person, then she took it away and she was promising it to like, yes, yes, yes. We were just corroborating, corroborating. Like right. this really happened, right? We're not crazy, right? Like this was manipulative, wasn't it? This wasn't wow. cool. Like th- this was not a normal experience. Like this didn't feel like a caretaking experience. We're not wrong about this. We both had this experience, which for me was huge because. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I just felt pretty gaslighted, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, to have another person saying, I also felt really gaslighted. And I think that's what happened Mm -hmm. was, was really important.
1: Yeah that sounds really healing it was really really
0: healing and after that we were close friends until she moved away but we're we're still in touch you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
1: so at this point then um I guess so going back, you had that that's the experience with your former teacher guru kind of person, um, who like in response to I love you said, Thank you, it's so hard to be me. Like, oh my gosh, that just I can't even imagine that just sounds so devastating and like again like dizzying and um so then after that did you just stopped going um I stopped at going. that point? At that point, you were, um, you had already made up your hours. So, did you ever have to see her again, like at school oh, or yeah. anything? Oh, yeah. She was my yeah. teacher. Oh, she it, continued to be your teacher. She
0: was still my teacher for another, I don't know, maybe a month. Um, oh. And yeah, it was. I mean, it was both, like, normal and really uncomfortable. She would sort of, like, make a spectacle of me sometimes um, in class. Like, she was... It's. I still... I will never have her figured out. I don't know what her intentions are or were with anyone. You know, like, I can't presume to know what was going on with her. All I know is my experience of her. I don't think that she... I, my guess is she's, well, I just actually, I really don't know this. I guess I want to believe that she wasn't intending to, uh, like gaslight anybody or, um, intentionally manipulating, but is just a sort of powerful person who likes to be the center of attention. Mm. I'm not really sure, but, um, Wow, that got me lost. I'm kind of like I don't even remember what you asked because that because that's actually such a triggering thought for me that she might have been intentionally manipulating people like for this person's cult or yeah. it's really hard for me to know. I guess yeah, like I my assumption about her is that she's simply a very charming person who's used to getting what she wants and that there's a side of her that's not very nice and that likes to sort of play with people's feelings. And I was clearly the person in our class and in our school who was the most vulnerable person there. I mean, by a, by a long mile, like mm-hmm. really, really vulnerable, clearly to everyone. I mean, everyone saw that about me. Everyone was aware I was having a really hard time. But she would sort of like single me out and make a spectacle of me sometimes in a way where like everybody would be laughing at me. So it was, I don't remember that being like necessarily only afterward. Yeah. It was not comfortable. Um, but, but I graduated from the school and she didn't hold back my hours or do anything vindictive, you know,
1: uh-huh.
0: nothing nothing like that she just sort of moved on with the people that were still interested in her it was sort of like okay bye you know if you're not if you're not gonna worship me I don't really have a lot of time for you you know
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and so then there wasn't any fallout or anything because you just it just fizzled she didn't really care it's just hard to be her
0: it's hard to be her it's really hard to be her I mean who knows maybe it is hard to be her but uh I mean it's pretty hard to be a person in yeah, general. It's pretty hard to it's pretty just hard be. Hard for to be a person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like, you know, when you have a relationship with your student where you're clearly like spending a lot of time with them outside of class, giving them rides and having them over at your house and then like attempting to introduce them to your very special guru and you know, and having many very intimate conversations um about how special that they are, me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that by the time your student after months of this says to you, I love you, I, I just would think the response, even if it's not to say I love you back, would probably be a little less self-indulgent than that, <laughs> but I mean, but it, but you know, I don't know. I don't know I don't know what was happening for her. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know either, but she sounds like a very interesting person. She's um, a very
0: interesting person <laughs> yeah.
1: complex yet
0: extraordinarily gifted. yeah and intelligent. Yeah. uh-huh.
1: So now what how did your life kind of advance like how did this how did this leave you? Did this leave you with any sort of crisis of faith that you were grappling with now that you know your spiritual this spiritual sort of guide? um, has proven themselves to kind of be like, I don't know, the emperor without clothes kind of thing.
0: It absolutely didn't leave me with a crisis of faith, which is the thing that makes me feel like this was a very important experience for me, even though it was rough. And I realized the person that I was so attached to was not attached to me and possibly is not a particularly, um, kind human being um Mm -hmm. but no it actually just was it encouraged me to find it elsewhere which I did Mm. easily after that actually you know so it was really I mean it was a very potent as you said before like really potent experience Mm -hmm. and what it left me with was just a sort of like I don't I guess like a lacuna or something where I I was in a space of like what's what's next? Like I'm in this moment where I just had this big experience and I know that I know what I felt in my body Mm -hmm. and all of the things that she had spoken of channeled when we were in her house felt still very real to me because I had had real heart-centered experiences as she had been describing. And so Mm -hmm. you can't have your heart open like that or I can't have my heart be opened like that and then just have it shut down like that wasn't real. Like that, that physical feeling of like safety in the world, I I had not experienced since I was like a child, um, like small child, before many difficult things happened. So yeah, it was definitely faith giving, and I just wanted to find something else that would I was more careful Mm -hmm. about who I would associate myself with next but I just wanted to find that feeling again of like meeting some sort of teacher having being introduced to a new way of feeling into the world around me of exploring what I can't see around me very Sagittarian sort of exploration. I, I was on and wanted to continue like mind opening and, you know, like a sort of passionate attachment to what's elsewhere and not seen. And I did find that again soon after and teachers again soon after that became my teachers for the next three years who were, who couldn't have been more, um, had more integrity yeah and been more kind and um, very responsible teachers
1: yeah that's mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm.
0: And I trusted my own feelings more so I was led to things on my own more too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. And I feel like I mean I guess I don't really know, but um I can imagine that in such a space that is, you know, spiritual and more, I guess, if if esoteric is the right word, um, it can be hard to find teachers that have that sort of integrity. At least it's easier. I should say it this way. It's easier to um, run into people that are more cultish than they are.
0: Trust me. I mean, I'm an energy worker who works in LA. (laughs) I have met my fair share of like snake oil salesmen, it's, yeah, it's really, it is, it's really hard to meet, not only hard to meet teachers, practitioners who are very gifted at what they do, but have Mm. humility, which Mm. is not to say that I haven't met many of them. It's just that there are Mm -hmm. so many other people who, you know, I mean, a lot of people really want to be worshipped and a lot of people really want to have a heightened sense of reality and, Mm -hmm. you know, living into your ego in this way is a way to get there. And I don't, I don't blame people for running straight into that experience. It's really um, intoxicating,
1: Mm.
0: you know, and I I'm sure I've had my moments with that in other, in other areas of my life. I've had moments of that in romance and, but yeah, it, it's not always the easiest thing to find. And I, I got really I didn't get lucky. I actually was really primed to find the right teachers by this experience that didn't mm-hmm. feel right to me and my body didn't trust it. And so I yeah. was really careful.
1: Yeah. That's 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 a great positive to take away from that. Mm-hmm. And then um yeah, to sort of have a, a clear compass, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Yeah. I'm curious, though, um, in the beginning when I asked like what led you to this and you jokingly said, I mean, my whole life led me to this sort of. Um, And I know when we talked last time, you had some reflections on how like this is like the cultish experience is something that you feel primed for. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to talk more about that at all and sort of how you feel like your individual personality or psyche or whatever? did you made you open for this?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm a naturally really sensitive person. I'm very um, I'm very attuned to what's going on for other people, sometimes to the detriment of my own well-being. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something I cultivated as a way of being in the world, pretty young due to some hard, life experiences that were sort of traumatic or were very traumatic. And that, um, I, because I survived some traumatic experiences when I was young and my natural state is to be, is to, is to want to be connected. Like I'm a real connector. I had to believe that, people, I had to cultivate a sense that people are never trying to be harmful towards you. So when people would be, and they were often because I was very vulnerable. And so, you know, people who want to be harmful, that's the kind of person that they'll seek out to harm. Um, So I did draw a lot of that type of person to me. I I just couldn't bear to believe that people want to harm other people. And so I would, I would like gaslight Mm -hmm. myself. Like uh, if someone was being extreme with me in any kind of a way, you know, hurtful manipulative, I would just put it back on myself. Like you're either imagining this or you've done something. And so you know, you go through your life believing that over and over and letting the same type of person in to do what they will with you, your self-esteem, which already is probably a little impaired, becomes more and more and more impaired. So yeah, I'm just a person who has not until recently built a really strong sense of self. And um, the ways I did build a sense of self had very much to do with like, outside realities and not an internal compass. So, uh, I think that, you know, like when the outside world would falter around me, I couldn't really hang on very well. And so if there was anything to hang on to that someone was offering, I was very willing, very, very willing, whether that be a primary relationship, whether it be someone drawing me into a cult, which had happened before, um, just, in a much more brief kind of a way, um, I was just really willing, really willing, yeah, because I just wanted to believe whatever you wanted to tell me if it made the the reality I was in at the moment more comfortable. Pretty easy.
1: Do you have any sort of reflections based on you know who you are, the things that you've experienced? Um, is there anything that you want to share? about why you think this happens to people and what you, is there anything you want to tell people to reflect on about themselves to ensure that maybe they don't end up in situations like this?
0: Yes, of course, though. I'm not sure I'll be able to accomplish that, but yeah, of course I do. And I feel like I have a soft spot for people who are like, me who are also like easily sort of indoctrinated or like um easily become worshipful of others um because it like i because i care about Mm -hmm. vulnerability in people very deeply Mm -hmm. um but i do feel if you're the kind of person who's going to get drawn into these things there's not a lot that someone can just tell you to keep you from experiencing it. It's the sort of thing that you have to go through to get out, you know, Um, because intellectualizing someone else's or my own self-worth, it just, it doesn't work. Like you can't tell someone, Hey, you're worthy of love and of self-care and of boundaries. And No one is going to hear that who doesn't have those things and just say, thanks, I'm so glad you warned me. (laughs) That's just like not usually how it works. It's usually the kind of thing where, at least from my observation and my own personal experience has been my experience in the world, has been that I have had to put my faith in people and reluctantly pull it back again and have moments of total disillusion and and loss of faith in in others or you know at other times in my life loss of faith period in the universe and you know in the world and in myself in order to see myself keep going and see my own strength i've had to like lose a lot and feel, you know, the disillusionment, and then just, just continue, like, not knowing what's coming next, and not, um, you know, not even feeling necessarily like I'm going to survive, literally, Mm. Um, because, like, that time passing, where you're just living through it, and getting to the next thing, that, like, Somehow keeps you going, or like gives you that small little spark of faith again. Like the, those are the things that allow you, or allow me, to understand that like life is just really it. It's just a it's a timepiece where like what you do, um, it builds something up in you, like some concrete foundation, whether you feel it happening or not, whether you feel like the most taxed and messy human being alive or you feel really together, the time you spend on earth living, <laughs> living through challenging circumstances, um does provide some sort of foundation for you. And at this point in my life, having just gone through this past year that we've been through, mm-hmm. um, and my own very, very challenging experience this year that I didn't feel I would survive. Like now it's really clear to me. And that was just part of it. Like that was just a piece, you know, like that was like an hour on that, on this timepiece. That's my life.
1: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of out of the woods. I'm your host, Molly. If you'd like to subscribe to the Patreon for the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com slash out of the woods pod. Or you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Out of the Woods Pod. Thanks for listening.